Hey y'all, this is your host, Elise Robinson, with Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. I hope these stories will inspire you to switch careers. I was an auditor in my past life, and now I'm in tech. And let's get to it. We are Switch Into Tech, tech resources to accelerate your career in information technology. Monthly classes on tech topics. We offer free or discounted exam vouchers, scholarships, free Udemy courses, free events, free boot camps, and more. You can find us at www.switchintotech.org. Hey y'all, it's Elise Robinson with Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. Today we have Marlena. She is in Singapore. I think she's our fourth international guest. So I'm excited to have her because she's way on the other side of the world. Um, go ahead, Marlena, and tell us where you were and what are you doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was in San Francisco um, and then previously in New York for the last six years. Um, working in sales, uh, selling into enterprise technology organizations. So if you think about Fang and all of those wonderful orgs, you probably know my past clients. Um, but these days I'm back home in Singapore with my family. I decided to uh, come 2023 to go back to my roots a little bit, um, get back closer to home. And I am spending these days reconnecting with people, but also I've started my own career coaching venture for women. So helping them figure out how to make sense of the whole mess that is the workplace for other women. That needs your services. <laughs> Call me, but... we'll, we'll spend time after this. <laughs> but I get you on the roots because my family moved back to Texas and that's where my grandparents are originally from. So, um, so yeah, it's like, you know, and they hate Californians. And so I, I always preface with, I'm from California, but I understand the culture because my grandparents are, are, are from Texas. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's, it's different, but, um, let's see. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> <laughs> um, so many things and all over the map, uh, which is very true to form to how I ended up as an adult, though I never took on any of these jobs. Um, the first thing I wanted to be was an actress uh, and then a nun, which was more like I wasn't good at school. And I figured this was the one way I didn't have to worry about my grades. I would have room and board paid for. <laughs> And then I wanted to be a lawyer, so I went on the other end of the, the nun spectrum. Um, and yeah, I would say those are probably the three main things. <laughs> I'll say, I'm like, I, I'll be a nun in my old age, because it's like, like you said, you get free food, room and board, you know, I'll be around a bunch of probably, you know, just, you know, because women outlive men, so my husband will probably be dead, <laughs> and so I'll go be a nun. <laughs> But uh, I, I get you on that. I do. And, I, you know, hopefully I can just, you know, go sightseeing all day long. So I get you on that. <laughs> um, let's see. What was the catalyst that made you, you know, leave San Francisco, go back home to Singapore and, you know, leave your, your sales career? Yeah, um, I think for me, it was a mix of things. Um, I think being in COVID, um, you know, especially in California, like I'm a half Asian woman and most of the people around me 
um, at least white people definitely would look at me and be like, you're Asian, you're not like me all the way, right? Um, and so I felt very viscerally the Asian hate and and the, the sentiments of being there. Um, so that made it sort of eye-opening. Um, I then ended up in an organization which was a great organization, um, but I was the only woman in the executive director level, and I was the only non-white person, non-fully white person at that level as well. And that was a very illuminating experience, being the only only in the room. Um, and I think as I, I spent time doing that, I, I had this moment of, I don't need more money. I don't need another promotion. What do I really want for myself? Like all of these things I'd spent 10 years amassing, like getting a, to VP by 30, things like that, that at one point meant so much, suddenly in the grand scheme of things, really didn't excite me, fulfill me, or mean anything. Um, and so I thought, let's come back home. Uh, my mom's getting on with age. I've always been very close to her. I always said I wanted to spend time with her um, while she's still in good health. So that was part of it. Um, and then the other part of it was, I think, kind of wanting to say, I want to do something meaningful. Um, it shouldn't be this hard to figure out how to be a woman in the workforce, especially a woman that isn't, you know, cookie cutter fits into the box that everyone is looking for. And I wanted to really test myself and see how I could bring that um, to other women. No, um, I, I talk about this all the time on podcasts, but my my one of my catalysts was my my ex boss um, when I was the auditor for the military, and she was like, "Make sure you figure out that this is something that you want to do before you get the golden handcuffs." <laughs> you know, you start making all this good money and you know, you, you, you can't really go away from it. And, you know, now that I've made good money and I, I went away from it, it's like, to me, it wasn't that hard because I could always go back to it if I wanted to. Um, so yeah, like, you know, when I, when she said that I started making plans to like go overseas and stuff. <laughs> Cause I was like, you know what? I never left the country. I want to go see things and do things, you know, maybe learn another language, you know? And uh, yeah, so she she was kind of somewhat my catalyst outside of my my mother um, passing away. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's like meaningful stuff. You know, I, I wanted to be, I wanted to show other you know Black Americans like myself that you know there's there's other things outside of the world uh, to an extent too. So you know, um, I mean, because just off the fact that most Americans don't have passports is, is crazy. So you know that means most of them never leave the country. But um, yeah, no, I, I totally get you on on the meaningful part. Um, and so did you have support? I mean, what did your mother say? Like, did she say you were crazy, you know, for wanting to leave San Francisco and to, you know, just turn out all that good money? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. She a hundred percent did. Um, and so she actually, I, I had this idea um, at the start of 2022. Um, I was really frustrated thinking back about my experiences in the U.S., right? Like, when I first went there, I couldn't get a job. So I tried to deliver food for minimum wage. That's how I broke into tech, which everyone thinks is nuts. So when I say I broke into tech by selling sandwiches, um, it's reductive, but true. And so she never agreed with my move to the U.S. initially. 
and then finally got on board when she called it uh, me getting a real person job, uh, which was, you know, selling market research at a global organization to fang companies um, and then moving up to like head up a tech vertical for Hydric and Struggles on Demand Talanon, right? Um, and so she was finally on board with that story. And then I come back and I'm like, I am so frustrated. The women in the runs below me, like they are sitting at meetings being like, is this just white men celebrating white men? And I have nothing to say, but yes. Um, <laughs> and I was like, we have to do something about this. Um, and I, I say this because I think she, as a mother, was just trying to protect me, right? So it, it's really easy for a lot of people to sit there and say like, how can your mom not support you? Like she's an Asian woman who came up in the seventies who had to fight all of those battles tooth and nail herself. Why wouldn't she be like, yeah, go do this. Um, you know, but she's a business owner and has been an entrepreneur for 30 years. And her guidance to me was like, don't do it. Who's gonna pay you for this? Um, you have no credibility in this space. You're very like typical, Asian tiger Chinese mom like trying to protect her baby cub um and me being you know a version of her said fuck it I'm gonna go do it <laughs> I'm gonna go do it I'll figure it out um I have to do something with my negative energy and make it positive and so I got my coaching certification and and it just kind of happened that you know the support I ended up getting were from my own clients. Um, it was all inbound. I never started a, a website until three weeks ago. Um, and so over the course of the year, um, people just kind of rallied. And I, I think part of that is if you are sincere about wanting to support and help people, they in turn look for those opportunities. Um, I will say we are now like a year past that conversation where she was like, do not do this. Um, and she has definitely gotten on board. Um, <laughs> she has gotten on board and all of my friends have been super supportive. So um, I'm happy I'm not doing it alone. I don't know. Sorry, my asthma's kicking my butt. If y'all see me on camera, this uh, over here coughing, allergies and everything is kicking my butt. But um, I I'm curious to know, cause like, you know, I'm a US citizen. I, I've done the the immigration thing in another country, and it was it was easy, right? <laughs> um, and probably because I was a U.S. citizen. But I'm I'm curious to know, you know, when you came over, how how did that work? Like, did you come over like on an H one B or 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 what? <laughs> Great question. Um, I actually had a dual. Um, which I renounced um, recently, and so so now I'm just a Singaporean citizen. Gotcha. Okay. Cause yeah, you, you did tell me before, um, you know, about, I think it was your father, father is a, is a U.S. citizen. Okay. I was, I was curious yeah. to know. Um, yeah. And I, you ain't got to tell me why you renounced it. Cause I already knew <laughs> probably tax reasons. Um, cause I'm, I'm ex IRS. I'm ex IRS. And, and one thing have. that happened while I was there was, uh, FATCA. And FATCA, they, they were basically trying to force people to show their bank accounts and their taxes and things like that. And literally people were U.S. citizens through, you know, their parents never stepped foot in the U.S. And, you know, they were like, yeah, you owe taxes. And, you know, from like 18 to whenever. And we were getting bank statements from Greece and China. And of course, no one speaks Greek or, or Mandarin. So it's like, okay, well, how are we going to handle this? But uh 
But yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely thought about it. I've definitely thought about it when I become a Mexican citizen. So, so yeah, <laughs> but that, yeah. That's, that's a whole nother podcast. We can get deep into that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish it was something as, as groovy as that. Unfortunately, it's just, you know, the Singapore government doesn't allow a duel. Gotcha. Um, and so they asked me to choose and naturally it was home or the U.S. Um, and so I chose home. Gotcha. That's sad. That's sad because I, I, I've talked to quite a few people that had to, to give theirs up because of their home country. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, but I've definitely thought about giving up my U.S. citizenship for sure. <laughs> um, let's see. All things come at a cost. What did it cost you to, you know, leave, you know, your executive position and 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 start your business? Yeah, um, I have to say, I don't think it cost me anything. I think um, the the real cost that I realized um, that came over the course of my career of, you know, trying to go from someone who applied to deliver food for like seven bucks an hour to being an executive in tech, like earning 300K, all of that stuff um, over five years. I think that's, that was really the cost on me. Um, I spent 14 hour days and seven day work weeks, right? Um, and in the process had lost sight of taking care of myself. Um, it also meant that I never spent time to take a moment and say, why am I doing this? All of my career moves were reactive. You know, it was either a toxic workplace or an, an inability to grow um, or a leadership change um, or pay inequity, right? Which is a whole topic in and of itself. Um, and I, I think at the end of the 10 years of like chasing that back to back, the, the real cost just came that I was burnt out. I was tired. I was disconnected from myself. Um, and I lacked compassion because I was angry. Um, I was angry. I was bitter. Um, I was jaded and that, you know, is what I've gained in sort of walking away and saying, I'm not going to do anything that I'm not excited about. And I'm only here to help other people do what they are excited about. Um, so I haven't discovered a cost yet. I would say, yes, there are definitely days where I wake up and I'm like, Oh, girl, what did you do? <laughs> like, oh, my God, am I really doing this right now? Like, it'd be really nice to have that cushy paycheck. Um, but I am fortunate enough that I I had kind of been planning for this for a year. Um, and so I saved up last year and made sure I had a nice little nest egg. And I had slow rolled my own client base um, over the course of that time. And I was really lucky that when I left the U.S., I had a couple of clients um, from my previous jobs at tech companies who actually reached out and connected me with people in Asia um, who were doing similar things. And so now I'm in several different partnerships. Uh, so it's not as lonely as it seems. But I would say if I had to choose a cost of my of right now, that would probably be it is the occasional spiral and little gremlin voice that comes in and says what makes you think you can do this <laughs> and you don't have a team around you that's going to sit there and cheerlead you you know and it's nobody's job to do that like my happiness isn't anyone else's duty um so it's it's having to pull yourself up 
on those days and being like, you got this, <laughs> whether or not you believe it, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say entrepreneurship is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, you you have to get you a, a, a entrepreneurial partner. I, that's what I call them. <laughs> I met him, what, like four years ago? Shout out to Christian. <laughs> he, he listens to my podcast and stuff. My biggest, my one of my biggest supporters. And, you know, we, we pretty much talk every day. You know, we bounce ideas off. And, um, yeah, it, you know, he, he's the entrepreneur, too. So he gets the struggle and things like that. But um, you, you you have to find someone that, that gets it because I don't want to pe call people worker bees because I'm still one, but you know, worker bee doesn't understand the struggle <laughs> and they, they, they just don't. But I mean, you have, you have your mother too. So she, she'll, you, she'll understand to an extent, but, um, but yeah, I don't know if she's in the world of social media where you have to do all that stuff and websites and things like that. Cause yeah, that that's the most difficult part. And like you said, not having a team is like, ah, I gotta do that, but I don't feel like it today. So we'll wait till tomorrow. <laughs> um what you you kind of touched on the process. You said you got a coaching certification. Um, did you take any courses? You know, did you go to any meetups, um, reach out to anybody to try to, you know, get any advice and, you know, pump your head up and say, you can do this. I mean, what was the process on, you know, leaving your position? Yeah. Um, I think it was a slow process, whether I don't think I intended it to be a process, but now that I look back on it, it actually was. Um, so yeah, getting my coaching certification, that was actually not an intention to become a coach. Um, I did that because I was frustrated and I felt disempowered to be a good leader for my team because I led a team of six other sort of like mixed bag of women from different ethnicities. Um, and I wanted to protect, protect them from the parts of the culture that they were reflecting back to me where they didn't feel recognized. Um, and so I want to get, I want to become a coach so I could be a better leader internally. Um, and in the process of that, you know, they force you to have practice clients and, and to put yourself out there. And so that's kind of how it started forming. Um, outside of that, I think it's been having connecting talks with other people, um, I think I've probably learned the most and been pushed the most by the partnership. So your point, Elise, about having an entrepreneurial partner is so critical, right? And whether or not you're an entrepreneur, but like, even if you're just trying to start something new, having a partner that one, holds you accountable and two, like says, you got to go do this because you agreed to it um, is super helpful. So I have a partnership right now with a team in Hong Kong called Make Meaningful Work. Um, and Dan and Joe are the two founders. And when I meet with them, they're like, we're gonna launch our program right now. And we just wrapped up our first focus group. And I don't think I could have seen all of that happening in two months after landing in Singapore, um, but it did because they kept pushing me, right? So the process is a mix of Go out there, get yourself the tools, like have uh, conversations with people, grow and deepen your learning and knowledge of whatever subject you're in, 
Um, and then two, go find other people to push you and keep yourself open to whatever influences, impulses like come um, so that it's not rigid, right? It's a mix of having a process and then also being wide open to what comes. Being wide open to what comes. There, there you go. There it is. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I forgot I was going to say it's past six o'clock. So <laughs> bear with me. Um, I wanted to touch on something that you said. Um, gosh, I can't remember. We're, we'll just move on to the next question. Um, what are some positives and some negatives of, you know, your new career? Yeah, the positives are super easy. Um, I get to help other women do what they want to do. Um, it is so unbelievably rewarding to be able to see people thrive, right? And I have to say, like, I have spent years in a sales position, like, closing pretty big deals. Um, and there's always a thrill there. So, obviously, I'm a bit of a thrill seeker. But I have never felt something as rewarding as seeing someone bounce back from um, a layoff, you know, or someone pivot careers and say, I think I found the thing for me. Um, or someone leave a, to a toxic workplace or someone get... 50% more in their salary and understanding now the new value and, and that their value is determined by them. There is just something so gratifying about that. Um, so those are all of the positives. Those are all the stories of my clients and they are the only reason why I now wake up on Mondays excited, right? Um, the negatives, like I mentioned, is yeah, it's up and down, but not up and down because of the business, up and down because of mentally how we are as people. Um, and so I have to spend a lot more time really prioritizing myself, showing up for myself um, to make sure that I'm keeping my mind in check um, just so I can show up for myself and for my clients. Gotcha. That's what I was going to say about the coaching. Like people tell me I should be a coach because I have all this, you know, experience and I, I tell great stories and things like that. Like I do training. I, I hold trainings once a month. That's about as much I can do at this point because um, that's my give back. I, I make sure that those are free every month. Um, and sometimes I have paid seminars, but um you know, my whole thing is I'm scared to give out advice because when somebody's come back, you gave me bad advice. How do you deal with that? <laughs> that is so real. Um, and here's the thing, right? Um, I think the common misconception about coaches and also, I guess, probably negative is that there are some people who, <laughs> there's a lot of people who just think that they want to be coaches and that are doling out and telling you what to do with your life. Um, one of the main coaching tenets is you trust your client to know. So it is all about asking the right questions, holding a safe, non-judgmental space, right? Um, the uh, acronym that my coach used to use was YAK, which is you always know. So trust that your client can get there um, because any piece of advice you can give, right, is great. And that's why mentors are super necessary um, in all of our work lives. Uh, but simultaneously, a piece of advice only works if it's contextualized into that person's life, right? And like how they can actually action on it. Uh, so the nice part about being a coach is, you just got to ask questions. You just got to let people get there and 
sometimes it is harder. So that's where the framework and like coaching tools help. Um, but yeah, I definitely have that moment from time to time. And it's good because I like have to manage my fixer and step back and be like, nope, I am not here to be a sage on a stage. I am just your guide by the side. That's all. So I'm going to ask questions. Yeah, and see, like, I'll, I'll ask all the questions. He's like, I didn't think of that question. You know, you ask good questions and stuff like that. That was, like, hidden. And I'm like, y'all not asking the right questions. <laughs> this, is, this is the whole point right here. So, yeah, like, I, 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 I don't really care to do the coaching part of it because people are like, yeah, I need, like, individual help. I'm like, no, I do classes. I don't do individual <laughs> So, um, so yeah, you know, that's, that's what, that's what you're supposed to do. Cause I, I don't care to do individual stuff. <laughs> um, what are some traits that, that make a good coach? Yeah. Um, curiosity, obviously, right. With asking the right questions, um, to, I think, um, ability to hold back from judgment. Um, so being able to separate yourself, your personal life, your opinions, which is probably one of the hottest parts of it, because the reality is we're all human. We're not always going to have a great day. Um, so having that level of objectivity, um, I think the third part is being able to communicate, right? And, and communicate the tougher parts, because as a coach, you are also about holding someone accountable. Um, and you have to help them drive forward in their own goals in the moments where they may feel like their gas tank is empty. Um, and so you have to read the room well and say, like, does this person need a little tough love right now? Do they need some soft loving? Like, what do we do? How do we drive accountability with them on their terms? Um, so I, I think it's those probably three. I'm sure I could name like 20 million other things more. But if I thought about the key top three traits that would be it yeah and I guess the other thing is I'm 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 blunt and you know I don't think that's a good trait for coaching <laughs> you know like I can be blunt in training you know all that good stuff you know I like to be animated and playful um which probably isn't isn't probably good for coaching either <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, very blunt. Like I, I, I'm not judgmental. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm old enough. I'm mature enough to understand that people have been through things. I've been through things. So I, I get it. And people walk their own path, but you know, I, I don't think the bluntness is, works well with coaching either. <laughs> um, last question. Um, what are, you know, like some tips and tricks. I mean, you touched on a lot, but anything like final words on, you know, just, you know, switching careers in general, coaching, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I want to say, Elise, you totally would have a spot to be a blood coach. I'm a blood gal too. I am still like East Coast on the inside <laughs> from my time, like growing up in Harlem, New York. So I think like tough love works, right? Like there's a space for being blunt. And when you approach people with respect, like they'll feel that. They'll know that you're you're doing it with tough love. Um, but yeah, I mean, like to to give you my sort of tips and tricks with career switching. Um, if I thought about the span of my career, right? I I started as an arts programmer in Singapore. Um, in my early 20s, um, where I traveled around the world, brought in different productions, brought them out to Singapore. 
Um, and I saw a glass ceiling after my two years where I didn't see any more opportunities for learning and for growth. Um, I also wanted to just get out there and test what I was made of um, and leave the safety of what I knew. So that's how I ended up in New York um, and had the harsh reality that people didn't know what to make of my background of someone who was in the arts from Singapore. Um, and I would get the question all the time in my interviews, like, why is your English so good? Um, FYI, for anyone who's wondering, in Singapore, we all speak English. It is our first language. <laughs> we are taught it. Um, that's why our English is good. Um, but, you know, then I, I, I spent almost eight months being broke and almost homeless. And so I was like, I'm going to go deliver food. Um, I never got that job because I didn't know how to ride a bike. But they ended up putting me um, in, in their customer service team where I answered phones. Um, and I was like, I'm going to do this to make ends meet. Um, and three months later, I ended up in my first sales position, something I thought I never wanted to do because it was like, ugh, salespeople, ugh. you know, like, no thanks. But when you got to eat, you got to eat. So I was like, if I was going to deliver food, I can sell. And I am like schlepping sandwiches across New York in the summer heat in heels and a cute little dress trying to sell to these like large organizations. Right. And I I'm telling the story. I promise it has a point. Um, eventually I become their head of account management. I do that for two years. Then I leave and I think I only want to work with good people. So I choose a company, um, that bought sandwiches from us called Gerson Lehrman Group GLG because they had really nice assistants. They were really nice people. I didn't know what they did, but they were really nice people. And so I applied and I ended up getting a job on their sales team, selling into their, their largest tech clients, right? Um, and I worked my butt off. I threw up every morning having mad anxiety, being like, people are going to find out I'm the girl that sold their sandwiches, that did their catering. And now I'm here selling next to them these like market research solutions to like the biggest tech companies in the world. Like, oi, what am I going to do? I mention all of this because I think there's two parts of it, right? Um, choose well, because there's no point in making a good choice poorly but you cannot choose well if you are only choosing from your rational mind. And what I mean by that is I would have never gotten to selling into tech. I would have never gotten the ability to have a nice little nest egg to go do this for a year by myself without a job and not worrying. If I hadn't taken that chance to go deliver food by responding to a Craigslist ad. Um, so keep your mind open to it right? It's in the peripheral vision, all the interesting opportunities come up. Uh, but sim simultaneously, think about where you want to land. The best decision I ever made when I was pivoting away from selling sandwiches to Gerson Lehrman Group selling research was I made the distinct choice. I only want to work with good people, good, kind people. And that was probably the happiest I've ever been at a job for like two years once I got past a year of all of the anxiety of throwing up every morning, I loved my team. Um, it was the best boss I ever had in my life. And so that choice 100% would have would make it again. So that's my advice. Sorry, that was very long, but I wanted to contextualize it. It works. 
No, no, no. That's perfectly fine. I mean, they say the the best advice you can give is with the story. So um, you can ask my my entrepreneurial friend. You know, he's like, you always got a story. I was like, yeah, you, you that's how you sell it. <laughs> you have a good story. So, um, so yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, when you said, um, you know, in your in your uh, rational mind, in your rational mind, you know. That, that spoke to me because it's like, you know, when, after my mother passed, like, of course I wasn't in my rational mind. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm taking my, I quit my job and all this stuff and, and I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> like where, where they do that at? You know what I'm saying? Um, luckily I had savings. I was getting unemployment, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month. And I was like, well, I think that'll, that'll make ends meet in Mexico. Um, and then I'll figure it out from then. And, you know, it, it just, it just felt right, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I didn't have any strife or any problems. So, you know, I was like, this, this feels so good and right. And so that's why I stayed and I, I just have to figure it out along the way. But, um, yeah, nah, you know, the rational mind was real deep. I, I like those words. <laughs> um, Marlena, tell us where they, uh, where uh, we can find you. Yeah, um, on LinkedIn, you can look me up by my name. It's Marlena, spelt like Marlene to a lot of people, <laughs> Ditzig, um, or on LinkedIn, the-ish, I-S-H, I -S -H, uh, which is the company that I run now. Um, on Instagram, the-ish, T-H-E-I-S-H dot online. Um, and that's where our website is as well. Um, so reach out, send me a note. I'm always looking to just have conversations with people, hearing their stories. Um, we're also test running a bunch of new programs coming up where I could use some free participants who are keen um, to think about how to elevate their career, how to make work work for them, um, or if you just need a little bit of help. Um, I'm here. I've got a ton of friends who are also looking to help. Uh, so keen to hear from anyone. All right. Thank you again, Marlena, for being on the show. Uh, my name is Elise Robinson. I'm with the Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter. Um, we send it out weekly uh, with updates on my blog, uh, the podcast, and new seminars that come out that I conduct um, trainings on. We're on Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, too, all the popular stuff. And of course, we're on YouTube if you're watching. So please subscribe there. And thank you for listening and uh, next time.